Hello, and welcome to Engage with Eagle Forum, a podcast to encourage the modern day woman and her vital role in shaping society. I'm Colleen Holcomb, president of Eagle Forum, and I'm honored to fill in as a guest host for a special edition of Engage. I hope you're enjoying the podcast with Tabitha and Kirsten as much as I am. Each week, Engage features fascinating guests and important information designed to equip you for pro-family grassroots political activism and to encourage you personally and spiritually. If you haven't already, please take a few seconds now to subscribe to the podcast. Well, it seems that Georgia has been on everybody's mind for the past few months, and today we're going to talk about Georgia's SB 202, the election reform legislation that was recently enacted. Corporate and media elites are comparing the bill with Jim Crow laws that enforced racial segregation. Corporations like Coca-Cola, major airlines, even the Major League Baseball League are condemning the law, claiming that it's designed to suppress minority votes and they're announcing boycotts of the state. But what does the bill actually say and how are these boycotts actually impacting the state of Georgia? Joining me to discuss this critical issue is Susie Voiles. Susie is our Georgia Eagle Forum president. She also serves as state director for Maggie's List, which is a federal PAC that supports conservative women candidates. Susie has been extensively involved in grassroots activism since she was knocking on doors supporting candidates with her father at the age of four years old. She got her early political training working on staff with then governor Ronald Reagan She's a past president of the Georgia Federation of Republican Women. She's also a Heritage Foundation Sentinel, and she's often called upon by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution to write editorials on conservative women in politics. We're so thrilled to have Susie with us today. Well, Susie, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Uh, can we start out by having you tell us how long have you been involved in elections in Georgia? I've been involved a little over 20 years in actively working in elections, but something I've been interested in probably for 25, 30 years. And you're in Fulton County, isn't that right? That's one of the countries that we hear about frequently. Yes, this is famous. <laughs> we're, so, we're Chicago South. Yeah, so that gives you some good context for some of the problems that we hear about, isn't that right? That's right. Okay. Um, now, Susie, I'm going to hold you to a standard that most elected officials can't meet. Have you actually read the text of SB 202? Yes, I've read the entire text, and I had the privilege of um, being involved with um, some of the suggestions for things that needed to be either added, subtracted, or um, mediated in the bill. Okay, excellent. So I'm going to ask you about some of the allegations that we're hearing about the bill. And I just want to be sure you're not talking from conservative talking points, but you're providing information from the actual text of the bill. Um, now, Joe Biden alluded to SB 202, and he condemned all Republican re uh, election reform efforts, calling them an atrocity. He made the outrageous statement that these efforts are worse than Jim Crow laws, saying they make Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. He mentioned things like ending voting at five o'clock when working people are just getting off work, uh, deciding that there will be no absentee ballots um, in, except under the most rigid of circumstances, 
um, and withholding water from people in line. So let's just take these one at a time. Does that would be good. <laughs> does SB202 prohibit bringing water to people standing in line? Yes and no. What it prohibits is what we call line warming. And that is, we have always had a rule that within 150 feet of the entrance to the polling location, that people were not allowed to do anything that appeared to be campaigning or was slanted toward one candidate or another. And what we saw in the last election, there were many people um, who were passing out water. Um, and this is the first time this has ever happened. We've had long lines before, but this necessitated our saying, this cannot occur again. And what they were doing, I was there passing out water bottles um, that had a candidate's name on them or a party's name on them. They were only passing them out to those people we discovered in an Asian speaking community who would commit to voting for um, the Democrats. And if they were voting for independents, libertarians or Republicans, they were not passing them water. Um, they were also wearing t-shirts that were very um, party oriented and they had trucks. Um, my favorite one was um, donuts for Democrats, um, food trucks. So, so this is targeted yeah. towards specific political behavior. It's not about withholding food or water from people who are standing in line. Correct. In fact, one of the provisions that was even set up is um, poll workers and poll watchers are allowed to have um, ice chests with water there, should they be needed. Um, we've always had such camaraderie when people have voted that, for example, a lot of our voting occurs in churches or in schools. And people have said, I've just got to have a drink of water or I need to use the ladies room. And somebody will say, well, I'll hold your place for you. And, and there's never been an issue um, until an issue was made because it was appearing to be too partisan. Okay, well, that's very helpful. Thank you. That's certainly not what we're hearing in the mainstream media. Now, how about ending voting at five o'clock? Is it true that the bill ends voting at five o'clock when people are, you know, probably not out of work yet, or at least not able to get to the polls when they get out of work at five? Well, it does end early voting at five o'clock, um, but it's also added two Saturdays to early voting, and for larger metropolitan areas, it's even added. Um, a Sunday should they need it or request it. It's not required, it's not mandated of the smaller counties that don't need this um, in rural areas. But no, regular voting is still seven to seven. On election day. On election day. Okay, That's, again, really helpful. Um, now, how about limiting absentee ballots? Um, is it true that absentee ballots are limited to only the most rigid of circumstances in this bill? Um, no, I wouldn't call them rigid of circumstances. I'd actually call them protective. We're trying to protect the vote of every eligible voter. <laughs> what we saw happening in this last time um, was often people were requesting absentee ballots for people who had died. Um, my girlfriend got two for her father who had died four years ago. And I had personally taken his name off of the roll. So we know that was off. Um, my neighbor kept bringing me absentee ballot requests that were coming to her and absent physical absentee ballots. 
some people to whom I spoke got three absentee ballots in their name. Oftentimes people were seen driving up to people's mailboxes and checking to see if there was one in there um, and hightailing it if, if they were able to retrieve one. This is mainly just to protect those who are out of county. Um, also those who for some reason are out of district. For example, our Georgia delegation is typically in Washington DC that day. They may vote absentee. If someone is ill, if someone is infirmed, if someone knows they have to travel on election day, but they still have early voting, um, they can still request one. And it, there's, we've limited the number of people who can um, do this. Your mother, your stepmother, your grandmother, your father, you know, et cetera. Direct family members can still request this on your behalf, but there's a, a provision in there that does allow if, let's say for, for instance, um, election day morning, your appendix ruptures, you can still have a family member, obviously that's something you need to immediately take care of and you, you don't have time to go vote. You can still have either an election worker be deputized, a family member can be deputized, or even um, a friend can be deputized to pick up your ballot, take it to you, you can vote your ballot, um, express your wishes, and if they've assisted you, they can sign the back of it, then that person has to get it in prior to seven o'clock on election day. And that seems pretty lenient to me. Sure. Okay. Um, now, opponents of election reform seem to indicate that voter ID requirements are discriminatory. But um, as uh, we've talked before about, a recent Rasmussen poll uh, showed that actually not only is voter ID extremely popular, but it's even popular um, along racial lines and even across party lines. Um, and I understand you heard a recent poll specifically in Georgia that was supportive of voter ID. What are you hearing about voter um, ID? Yes, um, this is something that really um, grates on me because 88% um, of a University of Georgia poll, so that's right here, that's local people right here, and by right here, I mean in the state of Georgia, um, approve of and believe in a photo ID, a government issued photo ID. And so I don't think this is anything that's really um, all that contentious. And the part that grates against me is what I'm hearing people say is that there are people who just are not capable of obtaining an ID. And that's not the truth. These same people have IDs um, to ride our rapid transit have IDs to, um, you know, operate technical machinery like um, Caterpillar big machines. I, I just find this to be egregious that somebody who even needs to have public housing um, would not be able, would not be capable is what they're saying to obtain an ID when they have to have that ID to obtain public housing. So there seems to be, it sounds like you're saying a racist assumption that certain people groups are incapable of obtaining voter ID, which we know is ridiculous. 
Well, yes, and even in my Senate testimony, I said I was really grieved that people were presenting groups of people based on their economy of being incapable of getting um, or their skin color of being incapable of ob obtaining an ID. And and I, I do find this awful. The IDs um, are quite liberal in my estimation. We do have a free state issued um, ID. Um, it looks very similar to our driver's license, but it's um, oriented vertically instead of horizontally. Um, and that is free. Military IDs, tribal IDs, even rapid transit IDs, because those are government issued with a photo on them. Uh, if a person works for the state, they can use that. That typically has their picture on it. Um, I would say, oh, and our colleges and universities, those that are within the University of Georgia system, <clears throat> that includes you know, community colleges all the way up through the University of Georgia, those issue student IDs with a photo on them. That's a government issued photo ID. Okay. Um, now we also hear liberal politicians talking about people waiting in long lines to vote. And I, I do find that compelling. We don't want people waiting in long lines. Um, but does SB 202 do anything to try to ease that problem of having long lines and having to have people, particularly in heavily populated areas, have to wait a long time to vote? Um, yes, it does, as a matter of fact. Um, the longest lines, though, that we saw was the first and second day of early voting, not day of voting. Um, so with that in mind, you have to remember there are still three weeks. Everybody does not have to pace themselves to go on the first day. Um, and they still have day of voting available. But what um, SB 202 does is it makes a provision for regular precincts. Um, if they have over 2,000 voters in that precinct and they're um, seeing long lines, what it does for them is it allows them to um, provide an additional precinct within that precinct so the lines are not quite as long. I'm just wondering if that's the, if that's the day of voting. So That is the day of voting. Kind of a pop-up precinct, is that right? Um, actually, it would be for the next election. Oh, okay, okay. So, um, it, it would not be immediate that time. However, they are very generous in bringing out more voting machines and those were made available by the Secretary of State and every um, county that requested them received them immediately. And some of them received them prior to voting day. Um, Fulton County, however, the Secretary's office reached out to them numerous times and they were said, no, no, we don't need them. So this was kind of, um, in my opinion, almost a crisis in the making, just poor management when they were offered more voting machines. Kind of, yeah, absolutely disingenuous when you're complaining about long lines, but rejecting the solution that's actively being offered. So you're saying in this last uh, 2020 election, extra voting machines were offered in Fulton County, but they were rejected. Yes. Wow. Okay. Now, what about drop boxes? We're hearing, too, that there are all these limitations on drop boxes, but isn't it the case that drop boxes weren't even legal until SB 202 passed? This is not my favorite subject. Yes, they were not legal. Um, 
they were not done through the um, uh, or obtained through the legislature, which would have been the appropriate move to make this happen. The secretary, upon um, feeling a bit intimidated by Stacey Abrams, quite frankly, um, he succumbed to allowing what we're calling the Zuckerberg um, drop boxes because he's the one who provided the money for these. And they were quite, um, you know, available. And this is not a partisan issue either, because even the Democrats on the Fulton Board of Elections, for example, they were concerned about the safety of these. You know, could somebody pour um, a soft drink down them and ruin them? Um, could some? They were pretty sure nobody could break into them. But how would they be monitored? Um, one of our very conscientious um, Democratic um, board members said. Now you say you're going to have video, but is this going to be 24 hour <laughs> surveillance with somebody watching that 24 hours a day? In other words, could the crime happen? And then um, do, you, do you find it out the next morning where nothing can be done about it? So yes, um, they have limited the number of drop boxes and made them legal, much to my chagrin, but um, they have put additional safeguards and fewer drop boxes in, so we should not have the problems of ballot stuffing that we saw this past time. Okay, that's yeah, that's very interesting. Again, so that it actually this is an area where it liberalizes the law. They're complaining about drop boxes, but they weren't even legal before. So that's right. Um, okay, um, now your beautiful state is getting boycotted, canceled, and attacked in the media. Um, but do you have a sense of how uh, this bill compares with uh, laws in other states? Is it fair, all this, all the attack that Georgia is getting right now? How does this bill compare with voting laws in some of your neighboring states, maybe? Well, as we were doing our bill, we looked um, quite in depth, particularly at the Florida laws, um, because they're in the same judicial circuit that Georgia's in, the 11th Circuit. Um, but we also looked at Alabama's laws, and Alabama, for example, um, has no early voting, and they have a very small list of prescribed reasons for absentee ballots. Florida, um, they do some pretty ingenious things regarding their students. Their students must um, reside, I mean, they must obtain their absentee ballot at their permanent residence, for example, their parents' home if they're away at University of Florida or wherever they are. And I think that is such a good idea because that, I know our own daughter and 200 of her Fulton County friends when she was in college over in Alabama did not receive their absentee ballots. Um, and so believing in voting the way we do, she actually came home on a Monday night, but she was close enough to do that. Had she been at you know, University of Oregon. She wouldn't have been able to do that. So we looked at those laws. Our laws are much um, better um, than, for example, New Jersey and New York. They have very stringent um, requirements up there. I think part of the problem with Georgia is um, so many states in the South are still under the archaic Voting Rights Act that was necessary at the time. But I, I would venture to say that 
it is not only no longer necessary, but we're making the voting system much more arduous um, to be managed in some cases. Sounds like there's a really strong effort to institute solutions in search of a problem instead of fix fixing the actual problems, which... I think so, and I think, um, you know, we're in a soundbite society, mm -hmm. and so oftentimes um, the sound that gets out there first, um, you know, we all get all riled up over something, and people don't typically dig for what the truth of the matter is. One of the things that Florida does that really, I, I just thought it was wonderful, uh, they are in two time zones, actually. Remember, they have a panhandle that sticks out a little bit. They were able to get all their votes in by 8.30 p.m., all of their votes, which means the other time zone got them in by 7.30. And so here we have counties in, in Georgia that have been dragging behind. And there's the famous video from Fulton County that says to the elections manager, how many more votes do you need 20,000, 30,000? Um, I can see why the other counties in Georgia find that to be rather suspect and don't want to turn their votes in until everybody can do it simultaneously. That would have been, I believe, a good stopgap measure if it was added, but we still have other things that we can do. Sure. Well, it sounds like there was a really um, a strong and strongly bipartisan effort to really focus this bill on the problems that were happening and to really come to some solutions. So it's really a shame that there's been so much backlash and so much of it, as you mentioned, that is based on misinformation. In the show notes for this podcast, we're going to have some notes that Susie has compiled from her work in working on the bill and, of course, having read it. We're also going to have a link to the bill itself, and we encourage everybody okay. listening to actually read the bill and to find out the truth about what it really says. Uh, Susie, you've given us some excellent information, and we really appreciate that. Uh, what would you tell our listeners who want to take action against some of this unfair boycotting and the actions that are being taken against your state? What would you encourage them to do? Well, I would encourage them to be bold, to write the CEO of Delta, to write, I have to have an ID before I can get on his planes, um, a photo ID before I can get on his planes, um, uh, to write the CEO of Coca-Cola. And, I, and in these letters, and I can happily send you um, a group of people and their addresses, but I think the thing we need to mention to them is not only do we need to use ID to get into a Coca-Cola board meeting or onto a Delta airline, but we also, in, in this knee-jerk action, what we have done is we have robbed, um, and I'm using that word not um, too liberally, our black community here who are concession stand owners, who are hotel owners, who are um, small business owners, Lyft drivers of over a hundred million dollars worth of business in this. So our Atlanta, city of Atlanta population is 52% black. And by trying to make this a spectacular um, statement, what they've done is taken it to Denver, and I'm not disparaging 
on Denver either, that is only 9.2% black. So they have been very egregious to um, our no longer minority citizens at 52% black um, within the city of Atlanta. And I, I just find that a slap in the face to these, these small businesses. Right. Exactly. Over a law that is particularly designed, well, to protect everybody's vote and to give everybody assurance that their vote counts and that's specifically designed even to address the problems that are being complained of. So it really is a shame. You're right that there's that disproportionate impact against Black businesses, particularly the MLB's action in taking... Right. And, and I think the thing that's really sad is any businessman knows you don't wait until the day of an event to prepare for the event. So many of these small businesses have already had um, great financial expenditures to buy t-shirts, to buy, um, you know, to order food. So, and you look at the trickle down effect of that, um, it, you know, it's hurting the food companies, it's hurting the actual concessions people. I, I just find this um, to be really tragic. And, and we need to think through a situation before we just listen to the loudest cries. Right. That's that's for sure. Well, I hope maybe I hope maybe read the bill. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I hope maybe some companies will consider taking the opposite action and moving their conferences or their events to Atlanta and to Georgia. Oh, that would be a wonderful idea. <laughs> that would yeah, we'd love to see that. Well, Susie, thank you so much for the work you do. Again, just a shameless plug for Eagle Forum, but we're so thankful to have activists like you who've been involved for 20 years, that, or, and, you know, some longer, some, but for long periods of time, investing that time in, in being at the polls every election day and actually seeing what's happening, seeing what the real problems are, reporting problems when you see them, and then taking action to actually fix the problems rather than, that's right, generate sound bites. And thank you too for speaking out to tell the truth about this bill. Um, thank you. We will also include the list that you mentioned in the show notes so that people can contact the CEOs that have been involved in this effort. So thank you again, and we look forward to having you on the program again. Well, thank you. I look forward to it and I appreciate the opportunity. Well, if you're listening to our podcast, please be sure to subscribe, share with friends and leave us a review. You can find us on all the major social media outlets and at engagewitheagleforum.com. From your house to the state house to the White House, this is Engage with Eagle Forum.